Uh, it is good to be back. The past three weeks or so, I've been in the Philippines and having a great time. The uh, first 10 days, we had our Word of Life staff conference. Uh, 1989, I think it was, we had a conference, and there were five countries, 15 people. Only two of us from those days were there. This time, we were in 14 different countries, started two new fields in the past. Bangladesh. And we are also in Vanuatu, just starting that. And there was over 350 missionaries there, many of whom were pretty new and young, young to me. Um, young, yeah. I'm, old, I'm the old guy with Word of Life. But, but it was good. And we got back, or I got back yesterday. And so, you know, things come out crookedly. It was a long flight. But it is exciting to be here with you. And we're going to be talking about Christmas uh, we'll be talking about the Christ came to tabernacle among us. Do you know in the Philippines, they begin to celebrate Christmas on the 1st of September. They start decorating. It is flat out. I mean, Word of Life has lights, everything. Of course, they got ready for the, the uh, conference and everybody coming. It was very beautiful there. So have you started your decorating? Who has the tree up? Oh, <laughs> now I'm in big trouble. So Monday, I'm busy. Tuesday, I'm busy. Wednesday, I have to go to Word of Life. So Linda says, you can put the tree up on Thursday. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe we'll start putting the tree up on Thursday. When I was a kid, the tree went up Christmas Eve. You would go to bed, and you'd wake up in the morning, and the whole house would be totally changed. The tree would be up, and a train said to be up. Um, but now... We all start early. So today, I have the joy of starting to talk about the Advent series. Now, I have a question. Who here has an Advent calendar? How, who has an Advent calendar with chocolates in it? <laughs> who started eating all the chocolates yet? <laughs> so I can't have one like that because, you know, Christmas, um, I eat all the chocolates first. But I have, well, I kind of started. I'm behind because I was traveling on the first and... Haven't woken up yet on the second, and the third, I'm, I'm here. But Ray Pritchard, a preacher that I listen to a, a good bit, writes, um, you know, he has nine different Advent devotionals, and Word of Life is doing one, Word of Life US is doing one this year. So I signed up for it, the boss looks at my email, he's going to see that I'm, I'm behind. But you know, one of these devotionals are a great way to start getting our mind focusing in on Christ. So keepbelieving.com, nine different devotionals you can choose to, to get and to read. Um, so today, some of my message I'm stealing from Ray Pritchard. So that's why I wanted to tell you all about that. So thinking about Advent, I thought, well, what does Advent mean? So I looked it up. It says the fact or an, of an event happening. An invention being made or a person arriving. And of course, that's why we are celebrating Advent. So let's have a word of prayer, and we will look into the Scriptures today. Father, we thank you for the joy we have to worship you. Father, in this December, Father, as the days get closer, Lord, we're excited about the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, may the Holy Spirit... Be our teacher today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, we are going to be looking at Christ came at the right time to tabernacle about, uh, with us, among us. So, we, Christ came at the, the perfect, I wanted to use the word right, 
didn't know. Anyway, I put a couple different words in there. Christ came at the perfect time or at the right time. He came for the perfect um, reason or for the right reason. And Christ came to an imperfect or to the right place because we needed him. So, only a couple verses we're going to be looking at today. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, Christ sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under a man. Uh, the NIV says, when, but when the set time had come. And the Berean Study Bible, pretty new version, says, but when the time had fully come, Christ came, born of a woman, born under the law. Did you ever think about the events that had to take place for Christ to line up, for Christ to come? I was looking at a website, a Jewish website, a Jewish Christian website, talking about the prophecies. And it listed that there were over 324 individual prophecies made in relation to the Messiah. And then it went on to list 15 specific prophecies that had to take place for Jesus Christ to come. And some of them had to be in order. So Ray Pritchard, stealing, oh, I forget to push the button. I did that all for the past two weeks for the students. I kept forgetting to push the button. Ray Pritchard puts it this way. He says, a decree from Caesar Augustus, an angel appeared to Mary, a virgin becomes pregnant, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream, a baby called Emmanuel, a mysterious star in the east, wise men showing up in Jerusalem, angels appearing to the shepherds, a trip to Bethlehem, no room at the inn, a stable that was available, a babe wrapped in rags placed in a feeding trough, a star that led wise men to the right house in Bethlehem, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, a dying king who tried to kill the baby, a desperate journey to Egypt, and another journey to Nazareth. There is a list of some of the events that had to take place for Christ to be born. Now, coincidence. Do you believe in coincidences? That's when two or more similarities or related events occur at the same time by chance without any planning. How many people here watch NCIS? Anybody besides? Oh, NCIS. If you watch NCIS, you know. I love getting people raising your hands. It's doing really good so far. If you watch NCIS, Gibbs has a rule. It's rule 39, that there are no coincidences. Things just don't happen. It has been planned. God is in control. Proverbs 19.21. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Romans 8.28. All things and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. But as I was flying to the Philippines, I was listening to a book called When God Breaks Your Heart. 
is about a pastor um, who was saved in the Jesus Revolution. Uh, so he was a hippie. Went on to Dallas Theological Seminary. Pastored a church that at one time had over 4,000 people in it. It was down to 100 people when he took it over. And he was dying. He was dying of a rare form of skin cancer where he said, literally, my skin was falling off. And he talks about having, and he still has it, but he was talking about having to wrap up in a bloody blanket. He's an American. He didn't know how. That was a swear word already. Um, And at one point, this guy's a pastor, been in the ministry for a long time. At one point, he picks his Bible up, tells his wife, I'm done with God. And he throws his Bible across the room. And he said he hated it when people would quote all things. And we know that all things work together for good for them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. As he's going through all this, now he knew God was in control. Many years ago, I think it was around 2009, I read a book called Trusting God When Life Hurts. And since then, I've, I've listened to it a couple times, and I've read it a couple times, and, and I, I, I agree with the book. I agree with the book that God is in control. And in, sovereign, and in eternity past, somehow God worked everything out. He planned everything out. But as I was reading that book, I got very upset because what it meant that God planned Linda's health problems in eternity past. You know, so up here in my head, it's easy to believe God is in control. But sometimes down in our heart, sometimes we struggle with that. But I think it was 2009, Linda and I was working at the um, World of Life RV camping. um, What's in there? The Pines. They keep changing the name. It used to be the campgrounds. And it's where people will come and bring their caravans. That's the word I was thinking of. You know, in America, they don't have caravans. They got those big RVs. And this couple just sold their house. And he brought his dream RV. And you got to see these things. They're, you know, Murray would struggle driving one of these things. They're long, wide, they sides come out. And he was towing his car. His name was Richard Cope. Uh, for me to remember a name, that's America. But we met him. Uh, he was angry with God because just after they sold their house, as they brought the, the RV, his wife had a stroke. And. <clears throat> We didn't know it at the time. We were invited to come over to his trailer, and we had a campfire with him, and we were just sharing a little bit of our story. Years later, he wrote to us, and he just simply said, you don't know how much your story has helped us. And we just shared what God was doing in our life. Uh, I don't know what number of surgery Linda would have had by 2009, but it was a lot, and it's been a lot more since. So why does God... Bring these things. So Linda had to stay. Uh, when I left to go to the Philippines, Linda was still in the hospital. And that was kind of hard for me to leave. Uh, she wasn't in a lot of pain, but she couldn't go yet. You know, all these new missionaries. And Linda and I take care of missionary care. But, you know, God knows what he is doing. God is in control of all events. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born under a woman. Have you seen the phrase Paxa Romea? That, it, it, it means Roman peace. That is the time that Christ came. It's a 200-year period of unprecedented peace, of economy, um, economic prosperity through the empire, which spanned from England to North Morocco. Um, and during this peace, the Roman uh, empire reached its peak, um, in terms of land area, population, and swelled to the estimated population of 70 million people. And this, I looked at this, I found this on a website, and it had this map. You know what you got to do to this map to make it a biblical map? Put all kinds of red squiggly lines of the Apostle Paul going around the world. But this is the world that Christ came to. This is when the Roman government, you didn't need any passports. You didn't have to go through immigration. Uh, yeah, they didn't have the internet, which sometimes is a blessing um, not to have the internet. But they were able to travel. The missionaries were able to go relatively peace. And how many times did Paul in his travels had to say, you know, I am a Roman citizen. You know, it kept him from being beaten a couple times. And this is when Christ came in the fullness of time. And quote from Ray Pritchard again, none of this happened by chance. A pagan Roman, um, a, a, a pagan emperor issued a decree at just the right moment in history. When the Paxa Romia was in full force and the world was yearning restlessly for deliverance. Angels showed up to a young man and to a young woman who believed what they said. When the virgin became pregnant, Joseph decided not to divorce her. A star began to shine in the east and led the wise men to travel hundreds of miles seeking a baby. And finally, focused on a stable outside an inn in the little town of Bethlehem, where the most incredible event in history took place place. Christ came at the perfect time. But Christ also came for the perfect or for the right reason. Verse 5, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive an adoption of sons. Christ came to redeem and to adopt. Redeem means that process of purchasing a slave's freedom. Led me to three words. Sinners. We're all born sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there are none righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have sinned and all uh, and all have turned aside. Together we have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Romans 3, 22, the first part of the verse says, there is no distinction. Paul's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He says, there's no distinction. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has been born is a sinner. And then salvation. That salvation was by the precious blood 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says this in chapter 1. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but from the empty ways of life you inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish or spot. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says, But it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, you know, I just got done teaching Kings and and Chronicles. And out of the 40-some rulers that Israel had after David, eight were righteous. And I'm teaching these young people about what not to do most of the time in the Bible. Because most of the kings were ungodly. And all these kings, all Jewish kings, all these kings, many of them followed false idols because they believed these idols were their God. But our God was Jesus Christ who came at the perfect time to come and to shed his blood for us. And then by grace, saved by grace, not God giving us what we do not deserve. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of works. That's um, not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God hath prepared for those who walk, walk in him. This is the verse that, Linda, that brought Linda to Christ, 1975. When her a school teacher challenged her to read the book of Ephesians, these verses, and she convinced her that she needed Jesus Christ. Christ came to redeem us, and he came to adopt us. As I was studying for this, I found something out. Adoption was not a common um, thing in the Jewish world. A person's standing was based on their birth. And if you remember to the Jews, if, if there was a, a, the, one of the laws that... that Moses wrote for us, if a brother died and had no children, what he was to do, the widow was to marry her, his brother, because land was important. But in the Roman world, adoption, adoption was very significant and very a common practice. Anybody here ever see the movie Ben-Hur? I like raising hands again. <laughs> Ben-Hur. You remember how, you know, I guess Ben-Hur, the son of Hur, was on the shipwreck and he saved the general and the general adopted him. Well, there's a reason for that. So if you were a father and your son was a rat bag or you didn't have any sons and you had a lot of wealth, you couldn't write a will. That's not how you passed it down. You had to adopt. And so that's why in the movie, the general adopted him, made him his legal heir and God has adopted us for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Christ came for the perfect reason. One, to pay a price for our sin. And then number three, uh, Christ um, came to an imperfect place. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten 
of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is called the incarnation. Christ was fully God and fully man. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, and I was thinking about this in the Philippines. This still blows my mind. I don't understand it. I don't know how it happened. I can't explain it. But God stooped down to our level. But better than us, he was perfect here on earth. God dwelt. He tabernacled among us. He walked with sinful man. So what I did think of is some benefits of the incarnation. One. Alrighty. There it is. Understanding. I love this verse. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ knows what I'm going through. He knows my struggles. He knows my discouragements. He knows my joys. The big difference in the, the, between Christ and I, he has never sinned. But he understands us. Again, don't ask me to explain it. But Christ understands what we're going through. And then another benefit is prayer. We can approach the very throne room of God. Hebrews 5, 16. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace and find confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. Often, when I begin my prayer in the morning, I have... Uh, a widescreen computer and my got an Excel sheet with all my prayers and I have over here on the right hand side the story of Moses when he goes to the burning bush and God says take off your shoes for the ground that you step on is holy and I like to read that and metaphorically I, many times I say Lord I take my shoes off because now I'm in the presence of Almighty God. Guys, we can do that because Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He has made it so that we can step in the very throne room of God, teaching kings and chronicles the holy of holies in the temple. The high priest only went once a year. The priest could go into the holy place. But people like you and I, we can only be in the outer courts. But through prayer, as Isaiah said, woe is me for I am undone. For my eyes have beheld, uh, and I'm quoting it wrong, the throne room of God. He saw the glory of God. And in prayer, we can go into the very presence of God. Oh, I hope you take advantage of that. One more benefit. There's a lot more, but one more we'll look at. Eternal life. Christ paid a debt he did not own. 
John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, um, to, but to save the world through him. There's a song, I won't sing it, says he paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. So as we begin this Christmas season, what's our takeaway? As we start, four weeks from the day will be Christmas Eve. You're going to be very busy in the morning. You're going to be baking. You're going to be making. Well, Linda will be making salads, and, and we'll be getting ready. And we're going to do something I love to do on Christmas Eve. We're going to come to church on Christmas Eve. And we're going to do something Christmas Day that, you know, as an American, I still struggle with. I'll come to church Christmas Day. In America, you go to church Christmas Eve, not Christmas Day, unless it falls on a Sunday. But so how do we make this event, this Advent, this Christmas season special because 21 days are going to go fast. We're going to be here again. And you'll probably wake up on Christmas Eve and go to the grocery shop. And that's what I'll probably be, getting all the fresh fruit and veggies. But what do we do now to make this Christmas special? Well, first of all, be sure you know that Christ, Christ as your Savior. I love this. I I don't know where that picture came from, but apparently that's archery, right? Linda says, that's archery. And this is my computer background on my screen. And somehow or another, I don't know if I made it because I'm not that talented. But I love this picture. I love to see the birth of Christ and the cross. Well, be sure you know Christ is your Savior. And then make Jesus Christ center of your Christmas preparation. So keepbelieving.com, Ray Pritchard, nine different uh, Advent calendars you could get. And just start reading. Ask me next Sunday. Hold me accountable to see if I'm at uh, day 10, see if I got caught up and if I'm reading my daily devotional. Read the accounts of the gospel accounts of the birth of Christ. I read, you know, if you started on the first and you read uh, the book of Luke all the way through, uh, this a chapter every day, you would start on the first, first chapter, and you would end on, I think they said there was 24 chapters on it. Uh, read an Advent devotional. Plan to be with the saints this Christmas season. Be here next Sunday, the Sunday follow. Plan to be here. Put an alarm on your phone because it's different Christmas Eve this year. It's going to be different. Have it come up to remind you that you're going to be here. Christmas morning, be here. Let's make this Christmas season a time where we want to celebrate Christ tabernacling among us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, more importantly, we thank you for the fact that you came to this earth so that we can go to be with you. Help us this day, Lord. Help us this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And we're going to sing one more song.